We continue with part two of our series on the embedded Christian. As we meditate on John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 17, Jesus' discourse on the true vine, we are looking for how to be in bed with Jesus, so stuck, so bound, so embraced, that we can withstand disaster and disappointment and death through his love and power. Last week we looked at the first of four characteristics of the embedded Christian, that we are pruned by the word of Jesus. When we sit before scripture as the word of God, God speaks to us and helps us to rid ourselves of habits, attitudes, behaviors, and relationships, which if persisted in, bring death. But scripture also focuses us, giving us clear and straightforward priorities in the clutter of a privileged life with too many options. The word of Jesus comes to us as well through listening prayer, the counsel of friends, and spiritual direction. But it all begins with our receptive approach to Scripture as the Word of God. When we suffer setbacks and defeats, the Word of Jesus can help us see them as opportunities for other things to grow and flourish in our lives instead of what we had planned or hoped for. We are pruned by the Word. Today we want to consider a second characteristic of the embedded Christian, which comes out of the first. As we are pruned by the word of Jesus, we are empowered, renewed, energized in prayer. Our gospel reading contains two rather similar and exciting promises with respect to prayer. In verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And in verse 16, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. These promises become even more extraordinary in their context when we read in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And in the beginning of verse 16, I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask, etc., so it seems as though effective prayer, which means prayer that obtains what we ask for, glorifies God and demonstrates that we are true disciples. It seems as though the result of our calling and election as Jesus' disciples is effective prayer. So how do we grow into these promises? Ask whatever you wish, whatever you ask. Wow, have I got a list. But if we approach prayer like Aladdin, with God as the genie in the lamp, who exists to give us what we want, we are quickly disappointed. Rub the lamp all you want. Effective prayer is not about getting what we wish. Most of us discovered that as children. So we move beyond Aladdin and the genie in the lamp to a more sophisticated understanding of prayer, we think what might be called prayer as bargain for exchange, that is, I behave myself, or try to, and serve God as best I can, and in return I earn the right to ask for certain outcomes to which my credit with God entitles me. I remember as a young priest when I was verbally abused by a homeless man for declining to help him because his story was patently untrue. When he left I found myself thinking, he'll regret treating me, God's anointed, that way. It wasn't a curse, but came pretty close to it. The point was that I had given my life, at least my professional career, to serving God, and so God must avenge wrongs done to me, 
like being verbally abused by this man. The trouble with viewing prayer as bargain for exchange is that it doesn't work either. God will not bargain with us. We earn nothing by obeying him. Our obedience is to our benefit, and all his blessings are unmerited. So perhaps it's time to take a more careful look at verses 7 and 16 of our Gospel reading. And this is crucial because many of us have prayed specifically and repeatedly for things and not obtained them, with the result that we give up on prayer and become distant to God. So take a careful look at these two verses. In verse 7, the promise, Ask whatever you wish, is conditioned on two things. If you abide in me, and if my words abide in you. Accordingly, the promise of effective prayer is for the embedded Christian. And the embedded Christian is the one who is living his life by and before the words of Jesus. These realities should transform our prayer concerns. Ask whatever you wish is dependent upon that relationship and the guidance and authority of Jesus in our lives. Taking our Gospel reading as Jesus' word to us for today, what prayer concerns stand out? What might we wish for and ask for as a result of our commitment to Him and His words to us? To abide in Him. To bear much fruit. To obey Him by loving one another. To have fullness of joy. How often do we in fact pray for these things rather than a painless root canal job or a summer internship or a new girlfriend? How often do we sit before a passage of Scripture and take so seriously its promises, warnings, examples, and commands that it gives shape and scope to our subsequent time of prayer? Not often enough, I suggest. We're supposing we take the Lord's Prayer as the framework for our prayers. What should we wish for and ask for according to its words? First, we must declare and renew the relationship on which all our prayer depends, our Father, who art in heaven. Then we ask that God's will be done in three successive stages. First, that his name be held holy through worship and study and sacrifice and service. Then that his kingdom be fully established on earth, so that, finally, his will be completely accomplished on earth as in heaven. Only after we have established ourselves as participants in God's plan of cosmic redemption do we come to our personal needs. They are for daily bread, just enough for today, no surplus, no leftover. Forgiveness of sins, conditioned on our forgiving those who sin against us. And deliverance from evil if our faith must be tested by adversity. How often are these concerns the subject of our prayers? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. If you want the promise, this promise fulfilled in your prayer life, if you want effective prayer, then start by meeting the conditions on which this promise is based. Let's look at verse 16. So that, or as a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Clearly the key words are in my name. What does it mean to ask for something in Jesus' name? 
Biblically speaking, the name of God or the name of his son Jesus is far more than a label or moniker. In the Old Testament, the temple is said to be where the Lord made his name to dwell. This meant that he was specially present in the temple. His name connoted his presence. To pray in Jesus' name is to acknowledge his presence. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. As a child, I used to listen to a radio program called Sergeant Preston about a Canadian Mountie who solved crimes with his faithful dog, King. Each episode ended with Sergeant Preston announcing in a deep baritone, This case is closed in the name of the Queen. Clearly, Sergeant Preston had authority, ultimately from the Queen, to close criminal investigations, and he did so in her name. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray as authorized by him, with and in his authority. In the book of Acts, the apostles perform healings in the name of Jesus. They have not only authority, but power from the risen and ascended Lord to do this. So to ask the Father for something in Jesus' name means all this. It means to ask in his presence, remembering that he is with us always, through the Holy Spirit to the end of the age. It means to ask with his authority, this and other verses in the Gospels encouraging us to ask. And it means to ask by his power. For only as forgiven sinners made righteous by grace do we approach the throne of God and obtain from God blessings and mercies. What influence should this have on the content of our prayers? To begin with, if Jesus wouldn't ask it, perhaps we shouldn't as well. How can we ask in his name if what we ask for is not in accordance with his will? But how do we know his will, at least enough to ask? To me, it is helpful to be reminded of all the principal kinds of prayer and use them. Begin with confession to clear away what may separate you from God. If grievances about your circumstances trouble you, include lamentation, the prayer of complaint. God welcomes your complaining. See Psalm 88, part of the Word of God, the Scriptures. Then as you remember the steadfast and forgiving love of God, move to thanksgiving for what God has done and is doing in your life, and praise for who God is. If words fail you, simply adore Him wordlessly. Finally, after offer yourself anew to him, the prayer of oblation. What have you for me to do today? Only then are we ready for intercession for others and petitions for ourselves. So many of our disappointments in prayer come from thinking we know what other people need or thinking we know what we need and asking God to do it. Perhaps in Jesus' name we should be more humble. Instead of praying, help Bob to get that job with Microsoft, we should just pray, help Bob find your path to fulfilling and helpful work. Instead of praying, Lord, I need to get married, lead me to a partner I can ask to marry me, we should pray, Lord, you know I'm lonely, 
become more present in my life and deepen my relationships with others. You see, in the end, it's God who knows best, not us. I have a nephew who is in a difficult marriage, one might say an impossible marriage. I pray for him regularly. I'm not big on divorce, and he doesn't seem to be open to it either. So I just hold up his situation in prayer, asking God to work. I have no solutions, just concern. Perhaps if we gave God more room to work and stopped acting as if we knew what is best in all our situations of petition and intercession, God wouldn't disappoint us so much. So here is what we are learning from John 15. The way of effective prayer is through the Word of God, both the Word incarnate Jesus, in whose name all our prayers should be offered, conscious of His presence, under His authority, and filled with His power, and through the Word written, which is the Scripture, as the source for our prayer concerns. Less is more when we are telling God what we want Him to do. A time of prayer that begins in Scripture and moves from lamentation and confession through thanksgiving and praise and oblation, concluding with intercession and petition of a humble agnostic sort, is going to be more effective. It will deepen our faith in a God who listens and acts. And as we discover this wonderful truth, Jesus' joy will make our joy fuller and fuller. Amen.